0: We at the WBDC dedicate our raising up the vote campaign and make your mark podcast series in memory of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a woman whose legacy for justice, equity, and women's rights lives on. Raise your hands up! Raise them up! Hey, come on, come on. Is this who would I Welcome to the Make Your Mark podcast series, Breaking the Glass Ceiling, Women, Voting, and Equality, a WBDC interview series where influential women share their glass ceiling stories, how they fought for their voice and rights, became civically engaged, and changed the status quo. In today's episode, Breaking the Glass Ceiling, Trailblazing a Path to Leadership, we'll explore how women in business are trailblazing their own unique pathway to leadership shattering the glass ceiling, and creating legacies through leadership and civic engagement.
1: Today, we're going to chat with Wendy Dole, President and CEO of the Women's Foundation, Cassandra Sanford, Co-Founder and CEO of Kelly Mitchell, and Catherine Graves Unger, Vice President, North America Government Affairs for Cargill. And I am Deborah Jennings Johnson, Senior Director, Supplier Diversity with BP and the Women's Business Development Center Board Chairperson. And I will be your host for today's conversation. I'm gonna to start today's conversation with Catherine. And, and Catherine, I'm gonna start with a two part question. And uh, the first part of my question is Can you reflect? On your own personal and professional leadership path, was there a formative experience that has made you the leader you are today? I think there were a number. First of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here. Um, I think there were
2: a number of things that really led me to to want to engage um, at a leadership level. I think, honestly, I started off as a classroom teacher, and when you're 21 years old and you're pretending that you're not because the people in the classroom are 18 and some of them 19. So you've got to establish yourself as the authority in that classroom. You start to think about leadership very clearly in those moments. And so leadership became important to me and how I showed up and demonstrated myself to the students became important to me. when I was a little girl, there was a woman who lived in the apartment across the hall from us. Her name was Janet And she worked at what's now, I guess, Wells Fargo. And uh, she was incredibly motivating to me. And I always thought back on her over the years. And so I will say that sometimes we don't know as individuals when the things that we do are serving as role models for someone who's watching.
1: You know, that reminds me that when I first started out in corporate, there was a woman who was one of the first women... At, in the AT&T family of companies, and mm-hmm. I think of her, and my career has spanned over 35 years, and I still think of her being the beginning, yeah. um, me wanting to be a leader. Uh, can, you, can you elaborate a little bit more and talk about how you leverage the role you have today? So as you had someone with, that was that role model for you, mm-hmm. can you see yourself, how are you leveraging your ability to be a role model?
2: You know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's because uh, I'm a woman that other women feel willing to access me and and ask me questions. But for over a decade and a half now, I've had so many young women come and say, "Okay, how did you do this? How did you go to business school? How did you get into Stanford? How did you start leading um, businesses when you are a high school Spanish teacher, not an engineer, and you're leading an engine business or an aquaculture business? How did you manage to do that? And I have sat down and had so many open conversations with young women um, because they're willing to reach out. And so, again, you know, these are when I, I don't know that like, literally I'll get an email out of the blue. Would you please have lunch with me or would you spend 30 minutes with me? And I can't say that I've never missed one of those or I've never turned someone down. But I can't think of a time when I have because I do think there's so few women And in leadership positions, and there's so many women who want to get there, they just need to know that it's possible. And sometimes just meeting one person who's done it makes it seem real, attainable, achievable.
1: Yeah, the great thing about women I find is that we're always super busy because we've got families and so forth, but we're never too busy to help another woman Mm -hmm. um, excel And Cassandra, I know that you have girls, young girls. How do you relate what you do every day as a business owner and a leader? You know, how is that influencing your kids and maybe their friends?
3: Well, so, you know, it's interesting. You get so caught up in everything. To your point, Catherine, I'm not sure that any of us recognize how many people we influence on a daily basis just by being who we are. And I, you know, I get very passionate about what I do. I have a lot of enthusiasm. And I think I just love talking about my team and my business and our successes. And I've always had a deep philanthropic arm to Kelly Mitchell um, just because we're here to grow people's careers and hopefully better the communities that they live, work, and play. And so I, I may be a little overcommitted in the civic and philanthropic realm, but my my children are just, I live an integrated life. And so I have a lot of people, too, who will ask me, you know, they're just trying to figure out how do you balance it all? And I just think, you know, I don't think about it. I think that's important is that I just do the things that I know are worthy causes and that are worthy of my time. And then I believe that I'll have at least some small impact on another human's life. So we talk about it a lot in our family. And because I have four children. I have a lot of kids, uh, they're friends who are always around us. And so, you know, anytime I get a question asked, or anytime I'm talking about something important, I find myself explaining it, end to end, because I'm not sure who my audience is. And so I've developed a little bit of a reputation to either be A motivational speaker or a lecturer around my around my family and my my friends and my kids friends. It just depends what viewpoint you take it at. But I, I try to remember that Catherine because I've been influenced by so many people. Well, I'll mention to them that they inspired me or had an impact on me. And they kind of look at me a little surprised. And so it was something that I just took note of, that I should be conscious. Others know why, the why I'm doing something.
1: Wendy, uh, you know this civic engagement very well, uh, given what you do with the the Women's Foundation. Has anything that uh, Catherine or Cassandra said, maybe resonated with you um, on a personal level?
4: Yes. Good question, Deborah. And it's so great to be with Catherine and Cassandra today. Um, yes, I would say, you know, what's impacted me on a personal level from civic engagement wise is, you know, I think about who really inspired me in, in this work. And I really have to pull pull back and think about the inspiration of my mother. And my mother had her own business, was a tax accountant when women weren't working. But it really started with her mother who started the business in the 1940s when women weren't working, let alone own their own business. And that inspiration has carried me forward with this work of really encouraging other women to participate civically. But it was my mother who's who really instilled into me that as, as a woman, we have a responsibility to lift up other women. And it is, it is our job to reach back and pull others along with us, which is really all about in engaging women civically. And I think this moment in time, as we are just coming on the heels of celebrating the 19th Amendment for the right to vote is really inspirational. But I think a lot about where I came from, where I am today, but that family inspiration is really what has propelled me in my career.
2: You know, Wendy, I hope you don't mind if I jump in on the heels
4: of that and just say, I appreciate
2: that so much. And when I think about my grandmother, so my father's mother, and all of the civic engagement that she had in North Carolina in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and how frightening that must have been, not for her herself she was such a courageous woman but you know she sent her children to integrate uh, a high school you know when you put yourself in the line of fire that's one thing but to have the courage to send your children to do that you know we often focus on the kids who integrated schools but behind them there were parents who were saying you know go do this this is a good thing i can't imagine having that much courage And so anytime I have had to do anything that was uh, intimidating to me, I had to, to testify before the Senate on the aquaculture business when I was on the aquaculture side and I was trembling. I was like, "Okay, I don't know if I can do this. And then I thought about it and I thought, would grandma be afraid? No, she wouldn't have been. She faced down people who came to burn her house down because she was advocating so much for the right to vote. And so remembering where we're from is so
1: important. And I'm just so glad you said that, Wendy. I want to leverage that a little bit more and think about our current times, the pandemic, the, the fact that many of us are working from home and our work lives have changed a bit. And then the, when you talk about voting and voting rights and you know how we're going to leverage and engage people we know uh, to vote this year, I mean, given that this is a voting year, how are you feeling um, Sandra, and I'm I'm asking you the question because you're seeing it from several venues as a business owner. Uh, And a woman, I mean, there's been a lot of impact on us uh, over these past few months.
3: There sure has. And, you know, it's something that just kind of sparking off of what Wendy and Catherine just said. I actually was just speaking to our team about my grandma, Ruth. And I think it was just a time where when you see people be courageous to do things outside of the norm, she was extremely involved in polling for uh, her elected officials, getting out and talking to every woman she knew. She had so many groups she was involved in. And there wasn't a lot of sophistication. I mean, she was a farmer. Then she was a school bus driver. She had so many different things she would keep herself busy with. But she really believed in the power of your voice and voting. And she, you know, was really big into the national election. But one thing she taught me is that we all want to change the world. Just start small. Why don't we just start with our local government and then we can move into our state government and then the national. And so she just would drag all of us kids along and hand out flyers and everything. So as I'm just talking to, I have a lot of people of different backgrounds, ages, geographic um, experiences, cultural experiences being coast to coast. And so we just talk about our duty to be a good human, to be a good citizen, to participate in all of the avenues that were afforded. There's never a better time than now. And it starts with maybe we're just starting our career. Maybe we still have student loans to pay off. Maybe we're just trying to get moving from an apartment to a mortgage. We all still have a little bit of treasure that we could give to somebody to make their life better. And I think we all are very busy and we have a lot of things that we're trying to do, but we all also have a little bit of time to show up and vote and to exercise that vote, that voice that so many people were courageous and brave and spent more time than we can ever possibly imagine garnering us this right. So although it's been a hundred years since that we've had that, I just make it more broad about all of us, no matter what, where you're at, we all have been given this freedom, this ability to vote and control our destiny. And so do not show up it just doesn't seem right, does it? It really doesn't. So I just try to, to take it in a different lens maybe, and who knows whether it works or not. And I really try not to politicize everything, but we talk a lot about where your sticker around, you have extra time in the morning to go, like we all get it. And I'm proud and honored of people voting. I think that that's you know, something that we'll talk about publicly. And I think if you talk about it, Maybe there's a little bit more impotence to to actually do things because talking isn't enough. You need to do it. But I try to be the example and bring this up every time elections, local elections, national elections, where are we at with schedules? And let's make sure everybody has time to kind of squeeze that in their day. And I, I don't know if I'm making a difference or not, but... You got to start somewhere. And so it's something that's just it's very heavily talked about and um, shared across our our team. My kids know it, too. We talk about it very openly at home and we have a lot of discourse around our politics and the socioeconomic things that we want to see and the things that affect my business. But then the things affect me as a mom. And sometimes they all don't intersect well. And so just, you know, having a lot of conversation and dialogue and discourse and knowing that's not conflict in a negative way. That's a healthy thing to talk about. And you need to be knowledgeable. We don't know what we don't know. I think that is an underlining theme. We want to walk in someone else's shoes, but we can't always do it. We can't understand it. So how do you get enough broad lens from everyone that you know and reach out and broaden your knowledge base so that you can go and vote with your voice? And what you think mirrors you and your values and what you want to see, and not just decide that that's somebody else's job to do it.
1: Yeah, I feel so strongly about this. Have either of you come up with what it is you're going to do different over the next, what is it, 75 days or whatever, Mm -hmm. to help get more people to go out and, and leverage that right to vote? I've been trying to think of what what can I do? What you said, Cassandra, is really great, and I'm doing those things. And I'm wondering, has anybody thought of any other actions that they're taking?
4: I think the the more that we talk about, especially with women, I think women's participation in campaigns and elections, and we have to remember women comprise fifty one percent of our population. We as women need to make sure that we show up to the polls and vote. And oftentimes, I think the more that we talk about and encourage it in our circles of influence, the more that that will continue to spread um, to others. That we need to encourage, and again, women lifting up women. But men are really good about participating in the election process. And whether it be men are contributing and supporting to candidates that they believe in, women, it's time for us to show up and support women candidates as well. And, you know, it comes with supporting those candidates not only from manpower and volunteering but also financially contributing and and there is power in contributing and supporting women who are running for elected office and it's not easy for women especially being the family caregiver and taking care of the family to not only have a job but also perhaps running for elected office at the same time and being caring for children juggling all of that at the same time, we have to show up and support those women candidates. So I think the takeaway is, again, just what we can do in our own circles of influence of encouraging women to get out and vote, but also supporting other women who are, are stepping out and trying to lead and clear the path for future generations.
2: I agree with everything you said, Wendy. And so I won't repeat it, but I'll piggyback on that and say, I also think that From a corporate perspective, those of us who work for companies, now is the time to challenge those companies. What are you doing to help? We have something that we do at Cargill. Uh, that's been in the past called Donuts and Democracy. Um, Since we're not able to be in person, I have suggested that they change it to Digital Democracy. We'll see what they do with it. But what we do is we invite elected officials from both sides of the aisle and we invite them to come and speak. Well, since it's going to be digital now, it doesn't have to be in person. So we're going to open it up to all of our employees who want to call in And we're making a point of inviting representatives uh, also from underrepresented communities, women, minorities, LGBTQ, all of those. And what we're trying to do is highlight to Cargill employees, your participation in the democratic process is incredibly important. We are bipartisan with it because it's not the company's job to tell people how to vote. But I do believe that corporations and places of employment can play a real role in encouraging people to exercise their right. And I always ask myself, people were willing to die for the right to vote. Why was that? Why is it so important that someone was willing to die for that? Women, um, suffragettes, you know, were willing to, to put their reputations on the line and, and to think about what that meant at that time. You know, these were times when women couldn't inherit property. So to go against your father or a male who was responsible for you, that was a huge deal. We can't even have them that now because those women fought so hard so that we could be full people and have a right to vote. Why was that so important? Imagine what it would be like if we didn't have that now. So to think that that we are taking for granted the rights that people literally just brutally fought for, is, is heartbreaking to me. And I do think that corporations can play a role in helping educate people about voter registration. With your political action committees, are you contributing to underrepresented groups as well? And within our political action committee, we've looked at where are we contributing? And are we say that we believe in paradigm for parity. We say that we believe in equal representation, but are we spending our money in a way that also indicates that? And I think that's a challenge we should all give ourselves. Those of us who are on the corporate side challenge the companies we're in to do the right thing.
1: Wow. I think the, what you said about what Cargill does, that is fantastic. Um, and I would imagine there's local representation. One of the things I struggle with is sometimes people don't vote because they're not educated enough on the candidates. And Mm -hmm. we get all this information on national candidates. And then when it comes to local candidates Mm -hmm. that truly do impact your community, there's often not enough information for people to feel comfortable. Uh, I don't know whether you guys see that as, as as an issue as well. And if there's anything that you've seen that maybe changes that paradigm a bit for, for local candidates.
3: Well, Deborah, I would absolutely say when I talk to a lot of individuals on my network, their number one barrier typically is, I don't know enough information to go and exercise my voice. So really applaud what you're doing, Catherine, there at Cargill, because I think you're just eliminating that barrier, especially, on the, especially in the local level mm. or state level and bringing those individuals present to them so that they can hear and be informed. And if you're informed and you have one opinion, which I would think everyone would after an experience like that, hopefully that's the impetus that you need to just carve some time out of your schedule and, and cast your voice. So I I really believe that that has to be impactful knowing especially how many employees Cargill has. The number one thing that I think really gets raised, especially with women, to Wendy's point, young women will say, I just, I was so busy, I didn't follow all of that. But their husbands did. And so sometimes I even still see them just kind of defaulting on whatever their their husband is um, voting for and say, okay, well, he's already doing it. I'm not sure if I need to go and reinforce that either. But if they had a different perspective and they may have, I, I think that they there's a lot of um, confidence now, I think, in our younger generation. So mm-hmm. now we just need to get them to exercise it and the framework that our four sisters set up for us.
4: And just to piggyback on that, Cassandra, um, to bring into the conversation about the younger voters who really comprise over half of the voting population, but yet the voter turnout from that demographic is, is extremely low. And we often press in, in our work here of asking the question why, and it's, oh, that that's not impacting me at the moment. That issue's not impacting me at the moment. And it's really as we have life experiences and points of view formed through our careers and through our work and just life in general, then you really want to show up and, and activate that thinking and that point of view at the at the polls. But we really need to encourage our young people that what is is really on the line here is the impact to them. It's it's what the decisions are, we're making today. They're going to be the leaders to carry it forward. We have to get them to the polls to vote. So whatever we can do to, again, through cargo through your work, Cassandra, to really encourage young people to, to really get out and vote. It's so important, and we need to hear their voices.
2: Absolutely. We either are going to leave them with a mess to clean up, or we'll leave them with a solid foundation to build upon, and it would be a shame for them to wait until they were my age to start to care about that. Uh, they would have lost about 30 years of opportunity to, to give some input into what their life will be like. I think you're you're making a great point, Wendy.
1: Yeah, I do too. And we're going to have to desperately um, work on individually how we reach that younger population and how we make Wendy, to your point, them understand that the, that the things we're talking about now will affect them down the road. But I think <laughs> helping them understand what it means in between now and then for them mm-hmm. will make a difference. So it's going to be a challenge. I think the good news for me is as i watch the racial injustice and the marches there were a lot of young people engaged in the in that dialogue and in those marches so it says to me that they're listening a bit and if we can just keep them encouraged enough to get them to the polls that will be a fantastic job. Have you guys been engaged with any of the politicians directly and or in helping to engage a
4: politician or encourage someone who wanted to get into politics? So the, the Women's Foundation, one of the things that we did is we invested in a research study looking at what are the barriers for women to become civically engaged. And that research was qualitative and quantitative. And the data really Pointed to the number one reason is that women want to be asked to serve. you ask you know ninety percent of the women who are running for elected office who are and or are in elected office ninety percent over ninety percent have been asked to to run for elected office so women are holding back they have a, a bit of a confidence factor of do I have the qualifications needed to actually run for this position so what we can do is again, we can ask people that we think would be good candidates to ask them to consider to run for elected office. So I think that's the first step, knowing that we need to overcome that obstacle where men are so good at raising their hand. I'm qualified. If they have five of the 10 qualifications, they think they're good to go and ready to jump in and learn as they go. Where women want to have nine of the 10 and then are still questioning, am I qualified? we need to overcome that and really instill confidence in in these good women and get good people running for elected office to have women at the decision-making table advocating for issues that impact women and their families. It's just imperative.
2: Wendy, did you see anything about the age at which men engage uh, politically versus the age at which women engage? Because I notice, and again, this is completely anecdotal, but it seems as though there are more young men really getting started early in the process then there are young women. And then it just builds from there.
4: Exactly. And so men are really good about reaching back and, grooming their successor and building that pipeline, women are still trying to figure out, should I you know, run for elected office? So it's a little bit later in the game. And they're so focused on at that point of their life, juggling work, family, and trying to run for elected office, our reaching back is not happening. So you're exactly right. You see younger men running for elected office. We can do a better job as women to get good women, including women business owners to run. So we can have- entrepreneurs at the table making good decisions. We can do better.
3: Well, I would just, when you mention women business owners, Wendy, I think part of the barrier is not having someone to pull you up or to ask you to consider it. We get asked to serve on a lot of boards, a lot of nonprofit and a lot of for-profit boards. And you see more and more women accepting that role and saying, I will carve out time because that's a worthy organization or something that's important to me. We don't see it as much in the civic engagement side. And if you had other women saying... Please consider this. I think you would be a great fit for that to help them get over that confidence area. But also, I will be your backbone. I will support you. I will show you the framework of how you raise money. I think just like a business owner, access to capital is always one of the biggest um, challenges and hurdles we have to start a business and to keep it sustainable and thriving. Um, Just for whatever reason, you know, I know there's been a lot of studies around that, and I know I was victim to this as, as well, but I you know, wasn't going to let it stop me and found ways to, to bootstrap and make it happen. But access to capital has always been such a daunting situation that I think we look at civic engagement very similarly, because how are you going to win? How do you fight a campaign that raises millions of dollars and you don't even know where to start?
4: Cassandra, you bring a great point, and we're talking about this as a policy perspective, a policy agenda that we're thinking about just the access to capital for women is just men also are really good at at accessing capital at a greater rate than than women for launching their businesses. but one of the um, initiatives that we've created is called the appointments project, which is You mentioned a nonprofit board, or corporate board, but Appointments Project is working to get women appointed to a government board at a city, county, state, and federal level as a way to build that confidence factor with women. And then they may want to, once they've had that experience, to want to go on and run for elected office. And again, encouraging women to run for school board, women to run for elected office, anything that we can get women at that decision-making table to influence such policy agenda items like access to capital for women business owners is is absolutely critical, that then we will be able to lean in and make a difference of women supporting women.
1: The Appointments Project, that sounds great because when you think about women, if they could sit on boards where you can see the Community difference that they make because they're government related. It does boost confidence and it gives them more exposure to what's going on in that, in that particular community. So I think that's a, a great project. I'd like to know more about that, quite frankly. Uh, how do people become part of, uh, you know, how, how do they get engaged in that?
4: So we appointmentsproject.org is our website where you can access more information. But this is a program that we are scaling across the country to really get women in that that pipeline and get them appointed. And believe it or not, we're currently doing a study right now to really learn and understand how many of municipal policy decisions what's happening in your city happen at that board or commission level. And it's about 75%, believe it or not. So getting women on the tax increment financing board or the planning and zoning board, where you typically see a a loaded up with a lot of men is where we need to break through. Um, But appointmentsproject.org, it's free. It's a great opportunity. You can apply through the website and then we can work with you to get you appointed whatever you feel comfortable with. This is a great benefit even for the corporate sector to really bring forward the corporate representation. Presentation and get that experience at a you know at a policy making decision level, um, and so we just encourage any any woman out there that's interested to to check it out and learn more. We'd be happy to talk further.
3: So yeah. Wendy, I love that. Kind of catapulting a little bit off both that and what Catherine had mentioned at Cargill on what's the corporate responsibility to kind of help with this. One of our our pathways of leadership within our firm at Kelly Mitchell has been around finding leadership development opportunities outside of the workplace and really working with different people, with different experiences, different lenses. And so we've always had that focus very much on a philanthropic side, on on joining boards or being a volunteer or fundraising. And I think this is just another element as we encourage them to, to try. Try to develop their leadership skills and and rise along the career journey that they're interested in this would be one very impactful segue that would not only help the community and maybe show them another path to civic engagement but also develop them as an individual and it's something that i think us as corporations and employers, we could probably encourage that more and maybe be an ally and an advocate um, around uh, people that we identify in a leadership trajectory to, to look at the government bodies and things locally where you can make a difference. And that exposure could lead to so many Different aspects of something they care about very personally and strongly, and want to have a seat at that table because they want to make sure that it happens.
4: What's so important is that we have the representation of the community at the table, so it looks like what the community looks like. And if you just have it looks one way, then you aren't getting unique perspectives brought to the decision making process to make the best decision for everyone. So that's really the objective of the. Appointments Project is really, we want this to look like, like our population. So we're making good decisions for everyone. So Catherine, you got this started with, with the
1: role that Cargill plays in, in educating um, their employees. Just to piggyback on something Wendy said is that the, have those municipal governing bodies look like the community. And we know as we talk about women and rights to vote we know that minorities waited even longer, right, to have the right to vote. And so those dynamics of just getting exposure into these government entities, I think you're right, it, it would drive more civic engagement. So I don't know, Catherine, if, if you have any examples of Cargill's involvement uh, where you've seen that make a difference.
2: One, you know, Wendy's point about you can't make good decisions if you don't have the community represented. We, we look at that the same way in terms of, for example, our hiring practices and other things. Um, one of the reasons we signed up for Paradigm for Parity is because you, you can't really have a company that is um, hiring fairly if you're not representing the population in accurate percentages, right? And women make up thereabouts 50% of the population. We should see that reflected in our hiring in our promotion, in the senior leadership of the organization. We're taking steps in that direction. So trying to make sure that our communities and that the leadership of our communities reflects what the community looks like is one piece. And then the other piece is to make sure that our people feel empowered because the more empowered our working population feels and the more engaged they are in not just Cargill, but the community around it, the better off our communities are. It's why we um, do so much donating in the Twin Cities community, right? Because you want to take care of um, your backyard and, and where you live. And I think we've seen some great responses on that. I think one really good example is because we're a large employer in Cargill, When we started to look at police reform in the wake of the George Floyd murder, Cargill was able to, through some of the associations we're members of, we were able to give input into police reform language that was happening in Minnesota. And there was one association that sent out a letter and asked many companies to sign, and we were happy to do that. But we read the letter and thought, oh, this should have more teeth. You know, why don't we add this and this and this? And because we're a large employer in the area, we were able to help strip them some of that language. We believe that, that you have to have a solid police force. Everyone knows you need to have people regulating safety, but those people should be protecting and serving. And how do we help the police force uh, as they're on their journey to do a better job of that? And because we are such a strong employer locally, we were able to give language into that.
1: Well, you guys are all trailblazers in what you do. And as I think about some of the things we've talked about, and the way we started the conversation, we had some examples of people that had that were role models for us. If I had a mentor in my journey. Uh, I didn't have just one. You know, I had the one woman that was definitely a role model, uh, but there were different mentors along the way. And I don't know whether you guys have specific stories around how mentors helped you and how that influenced not just your careers, but your civic engagement and your ability to uh, maybe be an ally to other young women as they look forward to what they're going to do civically? I'll
2: jump in there. I think I've had so many women who were amazing role models, and I've mentioned a couple. But one thing I wanted to mention, and I think it's so important, we wouldn't be where we are today if there weren't also men that we had equality. And when I think about the struggle around race relations, I think about the men who have taken time and reached out that that was incredibly important. I needed the women because they they helped me believe it was possible. And they were pushing me along. But I also needed the men because the overwhelming majority of my managers have been men. And so if they weren't equally engaged in helping to pull me along, I wouldn't be where I am. So I always I always want to make sure we're not letting the men off the hook here and, um, and we're not allowing non-Black Americans off the hook when it comes to advancing the situation of Black Americans here. I think it takes everyone. And I just wanted to make sure we we hit on that.
4: Catherine, I love that. And I was thinking the same thing with so much of our work is focused on policy. Um, mm-hmm. And we look around the state capitals and very underrepresented by women I really needed to form some allies and supporters to help mentor me along the way, to help me make sure that I was talking the way I needed to, to be able to push forward a policy agenda, which was really developing this great cabinet of men to help be, be supporters and to seek advice and counsel along the way. And of course, like Catherine, having great women at putting the hand on the back, keep going and the, being the cheerleader, but it's the men that really whispered in the ear to say, okay, this is, this would help you go a long way if you do X. So I really I really just underscore what Catherine Catherine mentioned. And for a role model, I just want to put out that someone that I have watched and admired, how she really navigated such a um, man's world from afar, but did have an opportunity along, a special opportunity along the way to engage in a conversation is with Dr. Madeline Albright former United States Secretary of State. And what I admired most about her is that her career started very late in life. So she raised her family and she went back to school and she started this political career in her in her late 50s, and just aspired to this higher calling. But I think that the message to share with the listeners today is that it's never too late to aspire to the dreams that you want, and that you can be that and it's it's never too late. So I always I remember that and I, I love that.
3: Yeah, Wendy, I would echo that. I have um, so many, uh, a collection of men and women both who've influenced my life along the way, and I would say pretty even, just as many men as women, and I felt very fortunate to have all of those experiences, but I would say that I am Of every woman mentor I've had, I was so surprised to hear their journeys because Mm -hmm. their journeys are not um, the typical is what I thought. Like you you go to school, you decide what career you want, you go to college for that career, then you get into that career, your first job, then you become uber successful and you run a company or lead the nation, right? Um, But with women, they're all over the board and they saw opportunities and took them. Whether they were maybe forced to out of circumstance or they did it because they, they finally felt passionate and 20 years ago would have never seen themselves that way. And so what I really attribute it to is I think probably men have a lot of those same experiences, but they don't share them as much. And mm-hmm. I think women have always shared with me their failures as much as their successes, and that's what gave me the confidence to keep pushing forward and to be bolder because they would talk about, and I prefer to frame them as experiments that didn't work out so well. So they would just keep experimenting with things, but truly they would share the things that didn't work just as much as the things that did. And I think for listeners to understand, when you look at anyone you may believe is a successful person, if you ask a few underpinning questions about their journey and how they got there and what maybe some of their struggles were, Most people, male or female, I think will share with you. I just have found that um, the women in my life have been very forthcoming with it. When I try to model that, when Mm -hmm. anyone talks about any inspiration or they'd like to, to be in my same path or same shoes and I just explain, well, you know, I had to try a lot of things to get here and there's a lot of things I didn't do so well, but that was a blessing because now I'm in an area that I, I do excel in, and you just don't know, life's plan doesn't always work out the way that you, you foresee. And I would, as, as we look around civic duty, I would think most individuals, females, when we're young, we don't th- necessarily think about being a part of a government body. That's not you know, one of the, the few things that we look at, and it's okay. I don't think most people necessarily want to do that. You just find that these opportunities exist and you have a place to, to actually harness change and I do think that that desire is among all of us. So if we all came out in force, the 51% of the, po- the population, young or um, a little older and wiser, we could really enforce the change that, that we're looking for. But it takes a village, like they say, just raising a child. You need a village to get our policies and um, really impact the change that we're all desiring. It's gonna take a village of us to
1: go out and do it. I'm, I'm wondering, Wendy, if you also have um so wbdc i 'm so happy that they 're doing these segments so that people can listen in and understand uh, maybe where they go to get information, what things drive the ability to build confidence. I think we 've talked about a couple of just the some experiences and exposure that build confidence, and then the fact that women have to in most cases be asked to to do something. As, as people are listening and if they want it, you know, if we're talking to a young woman now that's thinking about, oh God, they just made me so aware of um, why it's important that I vote. So what, how do I get started in maybe exposing myself to different things to help me with my confidence and so forth? It it sounds like from Women's Foundation, there may be some resources there that we should be aware
4: of. Absolutely. So appointmentsproject.org, again, is is a great resource to land on. And we offer complimentary training. It's free. We typically meet women where they are in a virtual setting. Um, You usually over the lunch hour, because we know everyone's juggling a lot. Um, And and we really just talk about what does it mean to serve on a board or a commission? That's a first step. So you you have awareness and build a little bit of confidence about what that means and how how to be prepared if called on to ask to serve. And then we are a safe place to ask questions. Women may not feel comfortable picking up and calling City Hall, but they can ask us and we can find out the questions for them. Um, what's really important we hear from time and time again from women is that their time is precious and they want to be able to make sure that their time is, is used wisely and is valuable. Um, and so we want to make sure that that's a good fit. So I think a good first step would be definitely if there's an interest in serving on a board or a commission, we we're a place that you can you can land to learn more. But secondly, if if you have you want to skip that and maybe move on to, hey, I'm, I'm confident and I want to run for elected office. There's certainly lots of resources out there available for that. But if not running for office, then you can certainly give up your time of helping support a woman who is running, who has an election, a campaign, and you can just volunteer and start to learn about what that that Process looks like as well. So there's lots of ways to engage. You can, we should be meeting people with where they are at this point in their life with time, talent, and treasure. And so there's resources out there. We just need to get people connected to the right place.
1: It's been such a great discussion as we talked about not only our role models, but some of our journey and where we've seen our companies support that journey for women and and minorities. And Cassandra, you as a business owner certainly have a lot to juggle in satisfying corporate clients as you do so well, but also the fact that you're thinking about the broader community and get women to vote and and make a difference in the community. Uh, Any uh, just maybe some quick sound bites uh, to piggyback on what Wendy just said that you would offer the younger women?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I would just go back to some advice that my grandma um, instilled upon me. And it really was around civic engagement, candidly. She would always say, when you see an opportunity, you say yes. You say yes and you go for it. It's not going to keep coming around. So I think sometimes, back to what you said, Wendy, you see an opening, maybe for a spot on a, a commission, a school board commissioner spot, whatever it may be, and you think, oh, Hmm, just taking that initiative and just checking it out. It's great to know that Wendy has that resource, that site where you can go and, and leverage a third party who's experienced to, to understand more about what that means. But any opportunity you see, I think that we, we should just reflect upon ourselves and say, do I have just a little bit of time or talent? maybe even just treasure right now to reach out and make a difference. And this is what I love about the voting aspect that we all have a way to vote. And even if we're in roles where the polling times don't work for us and our families and everything we're juggling, and we might be taking care of elderly parents. I mean, there's so many things upon us women right now, um, but we can mail in our vote. We can take proactive measures. I really foresee that we're lucky now to have so many options. So really, that's kind of my mantra When you see an opportunity, you just say yes, because it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be convenient. It's never going to be a good time. And somebody's going to do it. And I have a feeling that you probably have a viewpoint and an opinion. So take the chance to make it known. Sandra, your grandmother
2: sounds like an amazing woman. And I would just add to what she said. Our thoughts and opinions actually do matter as women. And if we don't voice them and choose the candidates we think are best for ourselves, for our our abilities to be successful as women in this country, our families, right? So think about all the the issues that directly impact women, that impact men, but at at a lesser degree, childcare potentially, Um, Certain aspects of health care, all of these things, if we don't use our voice to speak up for ourselves, we can't expect others to think about the world through our eyes. And so we've won this right to vote. We need to use it in a way that benefits ourselves, our families, and then paves the way for the people coming behind. When my grandmother was making sure that, that she was sending her kids to integrate the high school, She wasn't doing it for them. She was doing it for me, and I wasn't born, right? So how do we also do the things today that help pave the way for those who are coming behind us? And every woman should be thinking
1: about that, because someone was thinking about that for us 100 years ago. Thank you, ladies, for participating in this conversation. It's been really great, some great
0: takeaways. For this series. Thanks for listening to today's conversation. If you'd like to learn more about the WBDC's Raising Up the Vote campaign and about the power of voting to drive women's economic empowerment, please go to our website wbdc.org backslash raising up the vote. We hope you will join us in this important effort to raise up the vote. This movement reminds us that we can and should and indeed must pick up our banner today in 2020 and continue to enact necessary change as we participate in this year's election and other elections to come. Make sure to look for more conversations from Make Your Mark podcast series, Breaking the Glass Ceiling, Women Voting Inequality. And don't forget to join the movement at hashtag RaiseUpTheVote. And finally, get out there and vote on November 3rd. The Women's Business Development Center is a nationally recognized leader in the field of women's economic development. We're committed to supporting and accelerating business development and growth, targeting women and serving all diverse business owners to strengthen their impact in and impact on the economy. For additional information about the WBDC, please go to wbdc.org and thank you for listening.